Um, so every morning I would come in and dust off my computer keyboard from all the dirt that was in the air from potty plants. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast. We're talking today with Abby Parker from I Am They. Good morning or afternoon, Abby. Good day, sir. There you go. Good day. I guess that's the way to put it, huh? So the band is yeah. is I Am They, and they're from Carson City, Nevada, and they were formed back in uh, uh, 2008, actually on Halloween night for what was going to be a one-night stand, a one-night event. Uh, and then sometime later in January, they opened at a festival for Matthew West and all that. Abby, you came on the scene with I Am They, what, about eight years later there on, in March, I believe, in 2016? Yep, it's been a it's been a while now. I just realized I'm coming up on six years with the band. Woo. So, uh, you know, I keep I keep thinking the band is ten years old, and I think I've been saying that for a few years now, and that I've only been in the band for two years. But you know, I guess <laughs> I guess time is creeping up upon us. Where did you first hear about I Am They the band? I mean, since you weren't one of the quote unquote original founders, when when did you first come to know who they were? I was contacted by a friend of the label that I am they was just signed to. And he reached out to me and said, there's this band, they're looking for um, another female singer and songwriter and their name is I am they. And yes, it's unconventional, but look them up. They've got a fresh sound, they're great people. And I did, but I gotta tell you, I stared at that name for a while trying to figure out what it meant. <laughs> what does it mean for those that may not know? How do you how do you describe that? What's the, the elevator speech for I am they? There, there is a meaning behind it. We say it's not just bad grammar, <laughs> but it comes from a piece of scripture. Um, in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and he's praying that they would be one, that they would be set apart, that they would not be of this world. And so I am they is a statement I can make saying I am they, I am a disciple um, I want to be unified. I want to be set apart from the world. So it's us claiming that as an identity as followers. So what was it that made you want to be one of they? Or one oh, of them? wow. <laughs> Man, it was just, a, it was the fulfillment of a lifelong dream to do music, to do ministry, to travel. It was kind of, um, it came out of nowhere. It was a time in my life when I was kind of restarting my entire life over I just moved to Nashville, had just gotten divorced, didn't know what I was going to do in music. And when I got that phone call, it was just one of those divinely ordained moments saying, look, here, here's this opportunity. I've held on to this for you. Um, and I just thought, this is now or never. So I'm grabbing on. Gotcha. Well, okay. So you mentioned uh, um, you came to know them. The band's from Carson City, Nevada, but where do you hail from? Where's home for you? I am from Illinois, so central Illinois. I'm a Midwesterner. There you go. How far from Chicago? Because that seems to be how everybody rates where you live in Illinois. That's right. Yep. Three hours. So halfway between Chicago and St. Louis. We're right there in the middle of cornfields and soybean fields. And <laughs> the town I grew up in was the, the self-proclaimed pumpkin capital of the world. Oh, there you go. My wife yeah. is from Crete, Illinois, just kind of a suburb of Chicago there, the other way near Beecher okay. and down that way. So uh, yeah. She, yeah, we have to always describe where that is for her any brothers and sisters growing up i have one older brother yep he's he's still in illinois and he is a, a teacher and a pastor at a school there and so my whole family lives in illinois now i'm the only 
uh, sort of pseudo southerner, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do they ask you to talk when you come up there just to see if you've picked up the the accent? I I'm ashamed to say I do say y'all now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> favorite memory as a child growing up there in illinois the pumpkin capital of the world what what's a favorite memory that you have oh gosh there are so many but i would have to say honestly the pumpkin festival is as cheesy and unlikely as that sounds it was the big event of the year um there was a pumpkin decorating contest every kind of pumpkin food you could ever want to eat pumpkin chili pumpkin pancakes pumpkin coffee every everything that you would think never put pumpkin in they do it there and it's surprisingly (laughs) delicious too cool too cool your birthday is coming up july 29th what's what's been your favorite birthday so far oh my favorite birthday so far well okay i'll tell you so i'm i'm married i'm sort of a newlywed still and there you go a year and a half into my marriage and when my husband and i were dating um we had just started dating it was my birthday and he has two kids a a boy and girl who are now 12 and 13 which is crazy to say but they were maybe (laughs) nine and ten at the time and he said why don't you come over hang out with us for the day on your birthday because i didn't have any family around no big party and i went over to their house and um, was greeted with a complete Harry Potter themed birthday. They know I'm a big Harry Potter fan. So the second I opened the door, they were all dressed in Gryffindor outfits (laughs) and they handed me a ticket for platform nine and three quarters. And I got a wand for my birthday. And so um, I knew then that that was was the family I wanted to be in. That That is too cool. And so are you going by Abby Parker Webb now or just uh, Abby Parker? I just stuck with Abby Parker. You know, I figure he gets to keep his name, so I'll keep mine. (laughs) Her husband (laughs) is Derek Webb, who's just, um, goodness gracious, crazy, successful uh, songwriter and musician in his own right. So I've been around Christian music for a while. Um, Hanging out in the band, I Am They, do they remind you of real siblings, the way that you all kind of interact and things? Oh, absolutely. Do you have many siblings? Oh, gosh. I'm the oldest of four boys, so yeah, for sure. Okay. So imagine a family road trip where you're all crammed into one vehicle for hours on end with nothing to do (laughs) and uh, you can't agree on a place to stop for food. Now imagine doing that four days a week for six years. That's it. (laughs) No, it's, it's really fun, but it is like having, it, it is like having siblings with you all the time. So we, uh, we for sure have the same kind of ups and downs of any family relationship you could have. But we've learned, we've honestly really invested in um, getting to know each other better mm-hmm. and getting to understand each other's personalities. And that's gone a long way. Good deal. So pre I am they, how has life changed for you from your pre I am they days to life now? <sighs> pre I am they I worked in a cubicle, worked in an office at an ad agency. Prior to that, I worked at a plant nursery where I was in their mark. I was their marketing department and worked in a building called the potting shed. Um, So every morning I would come in and dust off my computer keyboard from all the dirt that was in the air from potting (laughs) plants. Prior to that, I worked at Caterpillar, the, the big tractor company in Peoria, Illinois. So 
my life was sort of a, a wandering path anyway. But once I found I am they, I found music ministry. I felt like finally it all made sense. What did you learn? You know, my wife is a florist, and so the fact that you worked at a plant nursery there in the potting shed, she's uh, just in awe. Um, and then uh, Caterpillar, did you like test drive the big bulldozers and stuff? or, or what, what, what did you wish- learn mo- most from those jobs? Um, I learned that corporate America is, um, can be a cutthroat place. So you have to really have a passion for moving ahead. I found out that just, I felt like a, a square peg in a round hole, so to speak. Um, at the plant nursery, I got to assemble an encyclopedia of plants. So I could literally walk down the street and name every single thing that was growing. That was my favorite job by far, except for the bugs and the mice in the offices. (laughs) (laughs) And then being in a band, I just learned that um, when you have the right people around you, you can basically, you can work through any differences that you have. So your journey all the way through those jobs and things, how do you think they help mold you into the performer slash minister that you are now? That's a great question. Um, I think what all of that life experience has taught me is to be grateful, to be extremely grateful. There are days when it, you, you can kind of get wrapped up in your own mind and think, oh, I'm, I'm tired of being on the road or um, I'm falling behind with stuff at home or I don't think I can shake one more hand. Like I'm exhausted. My, my voice is gone. Like I just want to take these heels off and go lay down or something. But knowing... Um, how hard so many people work to get an opportunity like I've had and knowing um, that I came from jobs that I felt like were, were just sort of ticking time by just earning a paycheck and no real, um, real higher calling behind them. I think it's helped me to be able to um, take all that into perspective and to be extremely grateful even on those toughest days. Besides being the uh, lead female vocalist in I Am They, you also play the harmonium. What in the world is a harmonium, and how long did it take you to play that? Honestly, I'd never heard of a harmonium until I joined I Am They, and they said, look, here's this little weird piano in a box that you're going to (laughs) play. So, okay, fans, I will do it. I'll do it. Sign me up. Um. It is. It's a. It's an Indian street music musician instrument. So it is. It's a little a keyboard in a box, and it has bellows on the back. So it's similar to an accordion. You have to pump air in in order to get sound coming through it. So it pumps air in through these reeds, and it has this cool like Middle Eastern sort of sound. Um, I had no idea what I was doing when they handed it to me, but <laughs> at that point in my life, I thought, just bring it on. What more? What more could I play? I've been known to play. Um, in worship bands back home, I've played the spoons, I played the washboard, I've played the accordion. Um, I went to a very small church that was just grateful to have musicians of any kind. So yeah. whatever instrument I brought in to play, they were willing to let me play it. And now here in the South, yeah. you can pick up the jug or the wash tub or any of those and you'd be set, that's right? right. You know, they, exactly. There's also an instrument few people know about called the hand bone, and that's your leg. And oh. so you literally... Literally, there you go. Leg for percussion. (laughs) I saw a picture of you when you were real little at the keyboard. I'm assuming piano lessons or something like that. Who made you take piano, or is that something you wanted to take? My parents were definitely those parents who who wanted us to try everything. 
And I did, my brother did, we all, we all played, you know, uh, instruments. I played violin for a little while, recorder, playing notes. Um, but I also tried every sport that there was to be had. And I think that's where I realized music was going to be the thing I was drawn to in life. I tried soccer, um, t-ball, basketball, uh, softball, and just nothing. <laughs> I think I got more, you know, sports activities hitting my face <laughs> really than me hitting them out into the field. So music was definitely the thing that I was, I was more drawn to and better at, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> you and my daughter, um, I have three, our daughter is getting ready to be 30. And then we have two yeah. boys beyond that. And our daughter is like you in that she had to endure the end of a marriage before. And, and I read where for a season you moved back in with your parents she did the same thing. She came home to mom and dad for a little while. What was the toughest part about that? And uh, if you share about, if, you, if you're comfortable sharing about that. I am comfortable sharing about that. I like talking about it now, actually, because um, even though it was a really difficult time in my life, I can look back at it with gratitude going, I had parents who were willing to support me, you know, who loved me, who encouraged me. Um, through the the hardest season of my life and one where I thought, um, you know, I had figured everything out already and this isn't something that should happen to, you know, a, a faithful, a Christian person, someone who didn't take marriage lightly, planned on it being a forever kind of thing. Um, but when when my parents were willing to take me back into their house, uh, it was it was surprising how much I needed the comfort and care of parents in that time. And I think I realized that you're never too old to need your parents. And um, there were there were definitely moments when I was there, you know, in my childhood bedroom, looking at the ceiling <laughs> going, how did I get here? But honestly, they were a safe space for me. And it was the perfect sort of recovery um, place and a launching pad for me because I spent six months with them. And then I literally just moved to Nashville and that sort of started the second and most beautiful part of my life. You and you and Lauren, I'm, I'm not sure that you may be twin sisters. You may be my, my daughter that I never knew I had because six <laughs> months is how long she lived with us. Um, and then she found a house, bought her own house, and now she's engaged, getting married here coming up uh, uh, this summer. But uh, wow. just to get me prepared, Abby, for should that happen again with one of my boys or they should have to come home, I've got uh, one single boy getting ready to buy her house when she gets married. And but should wow. they come back from your standpoint, what should my wife and I need to know in order to survive better? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, hmm, hmm. Gosh, that's probably something you should interview my parents about. But <laughs> they were uh, <laughs> be prepared to have some storage space. Uh, I think I filled up my parents' garage completely with all my uh -huh. things. Um, be prepared for some moodiness, maybe not knowing what time someone's going to come home at. But also, uh, always, always just be ready to listen. That's what my parents did. That was just the most valuable thing. Rather than try and fix or try and give advice they just listened and honestly when you're going through a, a difficult time in life that's that's basically the most valuable thing you can do and i'm sure you and your wife are great at that <laughs> 
seeing your <laughs> smile on your face as you talk about that and looking at the lessons God's taught you from that and how he's grown you. What does somebody who's going through a divorce maybe need to know in today's society? I try to tell everybody when I was a youth pastor, look, divorce is not the unpardonable sin. You need to know that first and foremost. What's something that, that somebody needs to know today if they're going through that? Wow. I wish I had heard that divorce was not the unpardonable sin when I was growing up because I thought it was. It, I heaped a lot of guilt and pressure on myself and felt like I wanted to hide away after it happened because um, as a, I was a worship leader growing up and you think um, I'm supposed to be sort of above that or, uh, you know, in, in any position above reproach, I'm supposed to be um, so connected with God, so uh, so in tune to what God wants for my life that nothing ever goes off track. And that's a big, that's a big myth. I think among people in the church today, um, I, I think the greatest gift of that happening was me being able to share my story with other people and hear, hear that echoed back from others just going, look, we've been through some trauma. You know, you, you don't get away from something like that without some, some lasting scars. But I think the the freedom and the growth that happens after divorce is being able to talk with other people about it and share your stories. And um, the encouraging thing about that is to meet people who have come out the other side of it and open up a new part of their lives. Yeah. So I know without a shadow of a doubt, if I hadn't gone through that, I would not be where I am today. I wouldn't be in Nashville. I wouldn't be in I am they. I wouldn't be married with kids like it, it would not have happened for me so i would say just just hold on and know that the the best days of your life aren't necessarily behind you there are even better days ahead of you you know as a songwriter which you are a very ex- uh, d- distinguished and successful songwriter you ought to think about a song i don't know maybe named scars or something that the <laughs> band could perform that would go great with your all's testimonies all right you heard it here first Ted, Ted decided we're going to write a song called Stars and it'll go along with each of our individual testimonies so well, you'll just never see it coming. Is, is that the I Am They song that you all kind of embrace the most, that you wrap your heart heads around most? It is. That's the one song that every single time we play it or lead it or hear it played or see anyone do a cover of it, it hits us again uniquely. I've, I've been unable to sing in tears on stage singing that song before um, because I've just been reminded that there's nothing I've done that's unredeemable. There's no story um, too awful in my own life that I can't bring it out into the light and share it and show how God has redeemed that in my life. I don't know. Faithful God may be a close second. Your new song, I Am Those New Song. We're loving it. Great song. Um, speaking of being a, a well-known songwriter, excuse me, an ASCAP award-winning songwriter, it, what, what, what would you say is probably the most well-known song that you have written that are co-written? That's a great question. Um, probably... A song called What a Friend, which was recorded by an artist named Matt Marr. I don't know if you've heard uh, of yeah, him. I've heard of that one, yeah. <laughs> we, um, three of us in the band went over to Matt's studio here in Nashville and decided that we wanted to write a song based on maybe an old hymn or something. And I proposed, what about that song? What a friend we have in Jesus. Da, 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 da. 
And that's the, the song we ended up, well, putting a new spin on that day. Yeah. So it ended up being, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, I love that song. Good deal. Well, since you just sang that little bit there, I'm not going to ask you to sing all 50 states in one breath like I heard you can. So uh, one of our <laughs> hidden talents. Um, so your your band suffered a bus fire a couple of years ago. So beside lead singer Matt's hat that was saved, for you, what was the most important thing that uh, wasn't on the bus when it caught fire? Oh, my gosh. My bandmates weren't on the bus That's when it true. caught on fire. They're, they're the most precious things to me. No, honestly, that was a harrowing day in our history as a band. Um I did lose a hat, my one hat that had been with me for years. Actually, it wasn't incinerated, but by the time it got off the bus, it was soaking wet from the uh, yeah. the water and the foam that they shoot to put out the fire with, and it smelled awful. <laughs> now, my bandmate, Matt Pat, had all the same conditions, but he held on to it. And he, I think he calls it, um, the hat is named the Tennessee Compromise. So he's decided that whatever else happens to it is just character building at this point. We've often talked and cut up with, with Matt about that being the Smokey the Bear hat or something like that. So now that it went through a fire like that, it's obvious. Okay, so be honest now with me, Abby. Is there anything you wish had been on the bus <laughs> when you all were inside? <laughs> Oh my or maybe gosh. maybe something you wish was on the bus that could have been replaced because of the fire. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> there are so many bandmates' clothes that fall into that category. <laughs> um, I think it's probably probably better not to mention them. But no, I mean we we were able to save a couple things. Um, one of my bandmates had a very expensive video camera that was in this. Um, I think Pelican is yeah. a brand of. of yeah cases so sure. they're incredible road cases and um when he got that thing out of there it was melted shut so we had to get like a hammer and chisel to bust it open but uh, and it was all wet on the outside but you open that thing up and it was like nothing had happened so if you're looking for a good travel bag it's a pelican case. that's a major endorsement right there we've got some radio <laughs> equipment we use for that all right so abby real quickly here if you could live in any state full-time what would it be and why if I could live in any state full time, I think it would be Colorado. Really? Or California. Yes. Okay. So I visited California for the first time when I was maybe 31. It was with the band. I'd never been out west. And I took, um, we had a couple days off between shows. So I rented a car. I drove up Highway 1 by myself and just took pictures and would stop and watch a sunset on the beach and stay at a, you know, creepy little motel or something. But, <laughs> Being out there, I thought, okay, now I finally understand why people live in California. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Favorite makeup or skincare tip? <gasps> Favorite makeup or skincare tip? I've recently been looking into this because I'm I'm nearing forty, but uh, well, not really. I'm thirty five. <laughs> I've got a couple of years. I think, or am I thirty six? <laughs> July 29th, birthday coming up. I think I'm. I honestly don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to do some math. No, apparently sunscreen is the best thing you can do for your face. So I work a lot of hours in my yard doing flowers and plants and everything and just plaster on some old sunscreen and you're good to go. And all the trolling I had to do to get ready for this podcast here, I came across of several different pictures. And so do you feel more like a blonde or a brunette and why? 
Oh my gosh. There were some years when I, when I was bleach blonde. Um, thankfully when I joined I am they, they were gracious enough to offer me a small stipend to get my hair back to brunette and healthy again, because <laughs> I was, uh, I had moved to Nashville. I was going to the beauty school for hair coloring. So every time it would come out pretty yeah. different and it would be like a four hour process and it really played with my self-esteem. So <laughs> I don't think I'll be going back to blonde anytime soon. Do you run with your dad? I mean, I saw where he completed the Berlin marathon back in 2012 and, and who knows yeah. how many other races are you a runner too? My dad has done all the world major marathons. So he's been to Berlin, London, Chicago, Boston. I forget the fifth one, but he's been to all of them. Um, I try to run with my dad, but I can't keep up with that guy. So these days I just run with my dog up and down the hill behind my house. <laughs> what, what kind of dog? What kind of dog do you have? I have a rescue dog. She's from the Nashville shelter and um, I don't know what she is. She's just a... A random ball of energy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you worked in a nursery. Quick test. You look over your right shoulder. What kind of plant is that right there? That is a snake plant. There you go. Didn't even have to look at it. Good job. I can tell you this plant is the best house plant because it requires almost nothing. If you can kill a snake plant, you really need to be evaluating your life because you can literally do almost nothing to kill this plant. Does Mike Wolf from American Picker still have a restraining order against you? I can't believe you smell that picture. Uh, <laughs> okay, so there's there is a picture of me and Mike Wolf from American Pickers. I used to have an antique business, um, and I would buy and sell antiques at every estate sale, auction farm sale I could to find cool things and sell them on the internet and my favorite tv show at that time was American Pickers and I saw on Twitter one day that Mike Wolf was going to be in the town next to mine in Illinois and so I drove to where they were filming and just kind of waited outside hoping to see somebody and he came out and was gracious enough to take pictures with everyone and that was that was my biggest celebrity signing, I think. The the actual definition of that Abby is stalking, is what that is. So. <laughs> what, yeah, what, uh, <laughs> what maybe not my proudest moment. Uh, that's okay. It's okay. I understand. What's what makes the best au um, auctions or estate sales? Oh man, um, farm sales. So when you're willing to okay, when you go to a farm sale, you have to wear boots for the mud. You probably want to wear gloves and you want to get your, your poker face ready because, you know, you kind of have to suss out all the other people and what might they be there to bid on. And you kind of get to know all the buyers and who sells antique glass and who is here for the tools and who is here for the housewares. And so you sort of get to know the other people at the farm and um, then get ready to bid when your item comes up. You ought to do some kind of a, uh, a blog or something on that. That'd be good to get people ready for that. All right, so if you could sing a duet with anyone you haven't yet, who would it be? And Dolly Parton doesn't count because every Christian artist is doing that these days. Oh, oh my gosh, I love it. If I could do a duet with anyone, uh, I mean, it would have to be some sort of posthumous mashup situation but johnny cash would yeah. be my favorite duet there i'm sure they go. could they could dig something out of the archives of his and i could just pop my voice in every now and then <laughs> bridesmaid or bride which is better 
Ooh. Oh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, gosh. I think bridesmaids have more fun because they don't have to stress about everything coming together and happening. And you just got to wear a cute dress and party, right? Who there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. My next to last question for you. How do you fill in this blank? Abby Parker from I Am They. If I have to do blank at home one more time, I'm going to scream. Oh, if I have to. Okay. <laughs> So if I have to clean the kids' toilet, uh, there are two bathrooms in this house. I clean the one that's mine religiously, and the one that's the kids, I, it's not my favorite place to go. <laughs> Is that too much information? That's that perfect. Be. That makes you normal because, you know, I totally understand. <laughs> All right, my last question for you, Abby. How can I and our listeners pray for you and minister to you right now? That's such a kind thing to ask. I think gearing up for uh, – um, sort of a, another unexpected year. We are looking ahead to having um, some shows on the books, but I know they're going to look different than they ever have before. I know um, health is always our biggest prayer request we ask for. COVID has already moved through a few members of the band and we're all trying to get our vaccines and move on, but mostly just that we would be able to to rise above those concerns, those anxieties. Um, the the life of, of a traveling musician can be kind of harrowing anyway but you throw a pandemic and anxiety on top of that and i i fear that it has the the potential to sort of weigh us down and make us forget what it is we're called to do so prayer requests for for health and just um the ability to keep the vision of what it is we were made to do can i pray with you real quick abby course god i thank you so much for abby and for the rest of the band uh, i am they and what they do and every day and how they wake up just uh, wanting to please you and to serve you and to share your hope and encouragement with uh with their audiences and with people they come into contact with and lord as they're gearing back up for the next round of touring i pray that you would keep their vision on you keep their sights on you and help them to see uh the the blessing that they are to people but also the blessing they are to you and and just their faithfulness i pray that you be with her and derek and the kids that you would just uh, uh, just surround that home with your love and continue to protect them and provide for them. And God, we thank you for uh, what you allow us to do for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast.